Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Sweet Tarts dared to combine sweet and tart, but we didn't stop there. We combined soft and bouncy to bring you new Sweet Tarts Gummies Fruity Splits, a uniquely delicious dual-sided gummy with one side that's sweet and one side that's tart but entirely smooth and squishy. Mmm, a powerfully perfect combo. Sweet Tarts, dare to combine. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, hope you're having a great Monday. Reed Wilkins sitting in for Bob Stoffer for the second hour of Oilers Now today. I'll also join you on Inside Sports from 6 to 8 this evening. And I will have the new president of the Edmonton Elks, Victor Quee, on the show right off the hop after the 6 o'clock news. So that's going to be good to uh, introduce you to Mr. Quee tonight. Also scheduled to join me is uh, Jed Roberts to talk some uh, NFL. We'll have more on the Edmonton Oilers, of course, and the latest from practice today. And uh, here's a great voice that you're going to hear on tonight's show. Dave Van Horn, the former play-by-play voice of the Montreal Expos. He's been with the Florida Marlins for the last couple of decades or so. And uh, he is retiring. Great voice, great storyteller. So he's going to check in tonight as uh, well. Yeah, fun weekend, obviously, with the NFL action as I am joined by my colleague Rob Brown from the Oilers Radio Network here on Oilers Now. Rob, uh, interesting to talk at 1.30 in the afternoon. This is a new vibe for us, man. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of nice, though. It's, I mean, we, with, we missed so much time together with all of the cancellations and postponements. We needed a little extra time to connect again. Well, and like you always tell me, as a player, you like matinees, so now you know I won't oh, bug you for my show this evening. Uh, yes, I much prefer matinees. It's <laughs> way better for me and my sleep schedule. Okay, so I know... You're a big football fan, and uh, there were the two games on, on Saturday. Obviously, the, the Niners and the Packers ended while we were watching the Oilers and the Flames. And then you had Tampa Bay coming back and getting upset. And then the absolute classic yesterday afternoon, I mean, one of the best games in NFL history, uh, ending in overtime. I'm curious, the, the overtime rule, does it need to change? Which, I mean, the CFL lets both teams start at the 35. I mean, don't forget the Grey Cup went to overtime. Uh, the Edmonton won the Grey Cup in overtime back in 05. Ottawa beat Calgary a few years ago. They've done it where each team is guaranteed the same number of possessions. So Josh Allen doesn't get the ball yesterday. Uh, when the Patriots beat the Falcons in overtime, uh, Matt Ryan was the MVP. Didn't get like. Does something need to change, or do you just say play better defense? Well, yeah, it does need to change, and it's funny. I, I'm a big Chiefs fan, and I, I, I wanted the Chiefs to win. But you know there's something wrong with the, the what they're doing now. When the Chiefs flip the coin, the coin gets flipped, and when the Chiefs won, the one Chief captain was jumping up and down because he knew we've just won the game. Like, <laughs> the, the two best offenses, whichever offense got the ball to start overtime was going to win. We just watched in the last two minutes both teams walk up and down the – the field without any hesitation or any stopping of the by the defense. So, it, to me, it doesn't make sense. A coin flip decided, and I read all these tweets. They said, "Oh, the coin flip didn't decide it. You just need to stop them once with 13 seconds." All of that's true, but the game ended tight. So, through the first whatever 60 minutes, 60 minutes, 
Yeah. It ended tied. So both teams were completely even through the entire game. If it goes to overtime, well, then both teams should have the opportunity to, to have offense. It, it shouldn't be decided by a coin flip to see who's going to probably have the better chance of winning. So, yeah, a game as big as that and as incredible as it was, I did feel, and I'm not a Bills fan, but I felt sorry for Allen and the Bills and the Bills fans that their offense did get an opportunity to try and score as well. I mean, it's hard to make a direct comparable to hockey because hockey has a face-off, not a kickoff. But imagine if they flipped the coin before three-on-three overtime in the NHL and whoever didn't win the coin flip, flip couldn't put out any of their six leading scorers until a minute and a half into overtime. You know, like that's or, almost what it's or, like. Or before, before we had shootouts in hockey, or sorry, before we had overtime in hockey, we had shootouts. So that'd be like saying a coin flip, okay? You won the coin flip, you shoot first, and if you score, you win. Right. There's no That's reply. what it would have been right. like. So it's like, well, no, you, the other team gets to shoot as well. So, yeah, I, I think it's – for the NFL is great in so many ways, in so, so many ways. And they're actually ahead of the curve in a lot of things. I just think the overtime is something that needs to change because it is incredibly unfair that the Buffalo Bills and Allen had to sit there and watch without Allen touching the ball in overtime and lose a game that was so incredible. Having said that, that may have been the best weekend of football that I have ever been a part of. Just all of the games. Every one of the games all came down to the last play of the game for the team to win. Yeah, yeah, it was it was phenomenal. I, I agree. Probably the the best playoff weekend in NFL history for sure. And uh, like I said, I'll talk more about that uh, tonight on my show too. Okay, so uh, the Oilers got the win on Saturday, and it, you know, you and I, I know we did overtime open line, but just to just to wrap that one up a little bit, down two nothing, scored on first again, and and they were able to pull themselves back in it. Now I know Drysdale obviously had four points, and McDavid got a couple of assists, but. I, I thought there were contributions from other players. I, I thought it was a pretty determined game. Yes, you'd like to give up fewer than 47 shots. I mean, I think, and there's, there were obviously some odd man rushes that the Oilers wouldn't be happy with, but Koskinen, uh, Koskinen bailed. I mean, that's that's that might be a save of the year for the Oilers when by the time we get to the end of April, maybe we're going to look back on that stop on the two-on-one and, and, and reflect on how huge that was. I, I agree. I, I think it's funny. There's games the Oilers have lost this year and, and lost during this long stretch where they played better than they did against Calgary. I mean, they, there was other games where at the end of the night, the, the Oilers are not gaining any points, but you're saying, but they played well enough to win. The other night against Calgary, Calgary's saying that right now. Calgary probably disappointed they didn't get two points. The Oilers did a lot of things right. You love the compete. You love the energy. You love the enthusiasm. But there were a lot of warts in that game. You got outshot 17-6 in the third period. Uh, it was one fantastic play by Leon Dreisaitl and a number of fantastic saves by Koskinen. So, yes, I don't think that was the Oilers' best game, but it certainly was the best game Koskinen has played in a long, long time. A confidence booster for him, confidence booster for the team thinking about him. And if the Oilers start going in the right direction and things are starting to line up with the, the goalie problems that Vancouver has. If they start going in the right direction uh, and get a little bit of a run going, I, I absolutely believe that that save will be something that will be remembered because if they fall behind 4-3 halfway through the third period, the way Calgary was playing, 
they probably don't get two points. So Mika Koskinen finally got the Oilers a goalie win, something that they haven't had very often this year. Well, and the Oilers won the special teams battle, which is something they've been losing. Now, look, they were only 50% on the PK. But I guess if your PK is going to be terrible, don't take a lot of penalties. <laughs> because well, also... If you're going to have a terrible PK, you better have a really, really, really good power play right. than the Oilers did the other night. So tell me about those finishes by Bouchard and how that affects penalty killers. Because as, as we both know, and I, I, I'm not saying Bouchard hasn't scored before, but he gets two four minutes apart. Clearly, Vancouver is going to be watching that video today. Everybody who faces the Oilers is going to watch that video. Tell me how penalty-killing units will be forced to react if Bouchard gets more time on the point. Well, when you're penalty-killing, you have four guys, the other team's five. So when you're killing, you're trying to take away the four uh, most probable guys that are going to score on you. So you're, you're putting yourself in a position, okay, these are the four we're going to look after. That guy up there, we're just going to leave him there because we don't feel he's going to score from there. And Tyson Berry has got a good shot. It's not Bouchard. But Tyson Berry, a lot of the times, is looking to pass. So the defending team, they they're, have a much tighter box. So they're falling closer towards their net. And what they're doing is they're taking away what the Oilers love doing the most. It's the cross-seam pass, looking for a one-timer on the opposite side. And it's been a long time since you've seen Leon score from the one-timer, simply because teams aren't letting them do it. If Bouchard is on the power play, and you're, you're right, Vancouver's already watched that video, and other teams will too, they're going to see that Bouchard scored from up top. That now forces the penalty killers to have a guy come out in front of them. When the penalty killer comes higher, that opens up a space between him and the defenders down low. That opens up the cross-ice pass. So they just added another scoring threat, huge scoring threat from the back end. And having him back there is now going to allow Leon Dreisaitl more opportunities. It just—it seems unfair that the best power play in the National Hockey League has just added another huge threat. And it is a threat. Bouchard does two things well on the power play. He has a heavy shot, and he gets shots through. That's huge. There's a lot of guys that have heavy shots that miss the net half the time or hit a, hit a stick or hit pads. Bouchard knows how to miss pads. And his shot, simply having Pugliarvi in front of the net, if Bouchard hits the net, he scores because the goalie can't see past the mountain that Pugliarvi puts in front of him. So uh, their power play, it, it just got a little scarier. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned Pugliarvi because that is something, you and I have discussed this a lot in, in our years together. And I'll give people a little bit of insight here. Like when you and I are, are sitting in the same room watching the game together and there's a point shot and the goalie stops it and may, maybe there's a forward or two in the area for the Oilers or even for the, the other team sometimes. And you'll say, yep, but that's not a screen. Yep, they're around the net, but that's not a screen. I, I mean, it's that it's that extra little push in your mentality right to actually be in the right spot to actually be in not just around the goalie but in front of the goal well and we've seen a lot of players that have come through here that have been net front presence that had the ability but didn't have the willingness and a great example is this episode is brought to you by state farm you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong but these are the words you really need to remember like a good neighbor state farm is there They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And Lucic. For all the great things that he can bring to a team, the one thing that he was not great at was getting in front of the goaltender. And if you go back through any of the videos uh, of when he stood in front for Edmonton, every time the puck was being shot from the point, he would move to the side and then he would try to hit it with his stick. But you've got a six foot four, six foot five goaltender that just gives him a little more room to move out to cut off more angle. And now his eyes can see the puck. When you stand in front of the net, your sole job isn't to touch the puck. Your sole job is to take away the goalie's eyes. And when you watch both of Bouchard's goals, either from behind Bouchard or behind the goaltender, Markstrom has no idea where that puck is. He can't see past Pugliarvi. And now that puck, if it hits an open spot, it's in the net, and Markstrom has absolutely zero chance on it. And that's why Pugliarvi has got a willingness to do it. Now, the willingness isn't as hard as it used to be. When I, when I played, when Craig Simpson played, when like in the 80s and 90s, you took a beating. Nowadays, you're not allowed to two-hand the guy or cross-check the guy, things in front of the net. So the willingness should be a little bit easier for players. But having said that, when a guy's shooting from 100 miles an hour from the point, sometimes you get a little antsy. But give Pugliarvi credit. He stands there every single time, does not move, parks his body in front, and to me is one of the best net front presences the Oilers have had in a long, long time. And I know, and I really like the fact that Dave Tippett talked about it after the game. He said, "Great shots by Bouchard, but let's also give a little bit of uh, kudos to Pugliarvi because he was just as big a part of those two goals, despite the fact he didn't get points on them." Rob Brown checking in on Oilers now. Reed Wilkins sitting in for Bob Stoffer for the last hour here as Bob heads off to Vancouver with the Oilers for tomorrow's game, six o'clock face-off show game at eight right here on six thirty. Chet back at practice today. And you had McLeod remaining up there with McDavid and Yamamoto. And the third line today, now, of course, we got to see, but it looks good for Nuge returning, was Nugent Hopkins centering Perlini and Cassian. Cassian uh, told the tale about how ill he was on Saturday night and didn't even really get to watch the game, but he was back today. And uh, Perlini, who, who has... Like, that's an elite release to me, Rob. I mean, I know we got some good shooters on this team and around the NHL, but, like, that goal actually caught me by surprise on Saturday. So we're having this old discussion again, though, is could they run the big three all as centers? <laughs> but they might try it again, and new wingers perhaps for Nuge if it is Cassian and Perlini. Uh, yeah, they can for a couple of reasons. One, they sign Hyman. And signing Hyman, we talked about it so much in the offseason, what he, he brings to this team. He just frees up what the Oilers are capable of doing with their lines. And now with the addition of McLeod, because McLeod, if you move McLeod up, all of a sudden Nugent Hopkins doesn't have to play on the wing up front. He doesn't have to be in the top six. And now you've got a, an elite two-way player who probably doesn't have the high-end five-on-five offensive stats that many had hoped for. But you know that you got the trustworthiness in him that he's going to make the right decisions defensively. 
And now all of a sudden you put Nugent Hopkins out there and that can free up your, your, your top two lines to be able to play against maybe lesser competition. Maybe they don't have to go head-to-head with Winnipeg Shifley or Calgary's Goudreau. Now we got a, you know, a checking line. And now you can start taking advantage of other teams' uh, lineups as well. So I think that, that's good. As far as Perlini, uh, Perlini's biggest thing will be consistency. And most players that are up and down from the minors or in and out of Europe, uh, it, it's because they, they've got the capabilities and they've got the talent. But can they do it on a consistent basis for 60 out of 80 games or 55 out of 80 games? When it comes to shooting, he, he, that's something you can't teach. He just, he's got a knack. He's got a shot. He's, it's quick. It's on and off his stick. He knows where it's going. And uh, it's good that he's given him the opportunity, but also give him credit for taking advantage of the opportunity. This is a dream for the Oilers. If they can put McLeod on the first line and they can go run the three centers the way they are, that is a dream that I don't know if they ever thought it would come to realization. But if it does, it makes the Oilers that much harder to play against. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. And obviously Hyman uh, didn't skate today, so I don't, I don't think we're going to see him tomorrow, but he's still coming back. So hopefully they can stay a little healthy here for a stretch. Okay, along the lines of Perlini, uh, from your era, and it could be a teammate or someone you played against, uh, quickest release you saw. And you can't say Mario because he was good at everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Joey Mullen had a great release. Uh, I mean, I think he scored 500 goals, so he was pretty good with the release as well. But it was one of those one it was on his stick and off his stick. And one of my favorite ever that I play with in Chicago, Steve Larmer. Oh. Hey, his release, his release was so good, and his shot was so good, especially from in tight, that I stole his blade once and put it out. We used to use the aluminum sticks and put the wooden blades in it, and I stole one of his and put it into my aluminum stick. And for the last, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years of my career, I used Steve Larmer's blade and his his uh, curve because I'm figuring, okay, if he can do be that good with it, I'm not going to be as good as him. But there's got to be something to it. But, yeah, Steve Larmer and Joey Mullen, two of the best releases that I've seen. Awesome stuff. Okay. Well, Rob, thanks for checking in. Good to uh, have you on here in the afternoon. We'll uh, we'll be up late tomorrow for the Oilers and Canucks, man. I'm looking forward to it. I am, too. Hopefully we're going to start a streak going the other direction. You can't win two in a row until you won one. The Oilers did that, so now it's time to win the second game. Right on. That is Rob Brown, our Inside the Game analyst for our broadcast here on 630 Chad and the Oilers Radio Network. This portion of the show presented by Japanese Village, open to serve you at any one of their five Edmonton and area locations featuring Japanese A5 Wagyu. Visit jvedmonton.ca. Yeah, Perlini, maybe an opportunity for him. Uh, I mean, he's what? He's scored in three of the last four games, and that puck just pops off his stick when he has a split second to get it away. So uh, we'll see if he'll be able to do something like that with Nugent Hopkins and Cassian. Reed Wilkins in for Bob today. we got to call a quick timeout. We'll still get to this day in Oilers history and a comment or two from after practice from Dave Tippett. All right. Gotta love the rock and roll music. That's what the kids are into these days. Reed in for Bob. This day in Oilers history. Brought to you by New West Travel. Looking for a great Oilers road trip? Fly nonstop to Nashville with Flair Airlines to watch the Oilers play for over seventeen hundred uh, for only seventeen hundred and fifty bucks. Call New West Travel or go online at newwesttravel.com. Cody Jansen, what is our stat du jour? 
Let's go back to 2004, Reed. Ryan Smith became the eighth player in Edmonton Oilers history to score 400 points when he picked up an assist in a 4-3 loss to the visiting Nashville Predators. Now, did you research that yourself? Well, I mean, it's pretty rare, I think, that the Preds had that many wins that year, so I definitely went to Google for it. Well, it's nothing like Google. It's pretty useful. This day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. Looking for a great road trip? Fly nonstop to Nashville with Flair Airlines to see the Oilers play for $1,750. Call New West Travel or go online, newwesttravel.com. All right. I, I think Ryan Smith lives in Nashville now, doesn't he? I'm pretty sure he does. I have to check that. Okay, so uh, the Oilers skated today like we were talking about, and uh, Nugent Hopkins looking good. He'll get the uh, final word tomorrow, but looking good to play. And Dave Tippett saying after practice today, well, yeah, if he comes back, going to be a huge help to the special teams. He plays a big part in both those. You know, our power play, he's been playing uh, playing on that pretty steady here for two or three years and does a big job there. And then both him and Hyman have been out and uh, they're, they're good penalty killers for us. So that's, uh, he'll jump back into both those quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, huge struggles, uh, huge struggles for the PK. Even in the win the other night against Calgary, just 50% as the Flames went one for two on the power play. The Oilers' penalty kill over the last 60 games is just barely above 60%. So like Rob and I were saying, you either got to outscore it with the power play or you got to improve the PK, which I think having Nugent Hopkins and eventually Hyman back, I think that will help. Or you, you just take fewer penalties. I, I mean, if, you're, if your PK is terrible, but you're only taking a couple penalties a night, then, then maybe you can survive. But we've seen games in which the Oilers have taken more penalties than the opposition and plus haven't been able to kill off the bulk of those. I mean, Florida was three for five the other night, for example. Tyler Benson uh, doesn't, I mean, the way they aligned today, there was kind of that fifth line with Turris Benson and Seth Griffith, who's on the taxi squad. I asked Jay Woodcroft a bit about him earlier, but, Benson seems to be coming along, trying to stand out a little bit as a, as a bit of an irritant now. We saw him mixing it up with the Flames a little bit on Saturday. Duncan Keith praised Benson's work after the game, and Dave Tippett had some comments today as well. I mean, he's working hard. He competes hard. There's Sometimes there's different things we look at. We need, without Hyman here, we, we need penalty killers in there. There's There's a... He's a physical player. He tries to play physical, so you're looking at that all. So we're, there's a lot of different factors we talk about every day, what we're looking for in the lineup. I, I like, too, that Benson, the last couple of games, he seemed to have a little bit more mentality of getting the puck on the net, which is good, not trying to make a pretty play. Get it if you're below the hash marks, even if you're along the boards, fired on net. Try to create a situation where you could have a scrum in front, maybe get in there and muck it up. And I, I think that the Oilers need to have more of that mentality, maybe even on some of the top two lines sometimes, that they don't have to score beautiful goals. You can jam it into the crease and then try and make something happen from there. So uh, we'll see how that plays out tomorrow in Vancouver. Bob's going to be back uh, for the show tomorrow from noon to two. Again, I got inside sports tonight. We'll have a little bit more on the Oilers. We also hear from James Wilder Jr., who gets a one-year contract extension with the Edmonton Elks today. He would have been a free agent next month. He had 996 total yards, three touchdowns in 2021. So he's going to be back with the double E for the upcoming season. Also, don't forget at 6.05, the new president of the Elks will join me, Victor Kui. Big thanks to Cody Jansen, our studio producer this afternoon. Reed Wilkins in for Bob. I will talk to you in four hours and 13 minutes for Inside Sports.
Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.